We at Global Nomad Hacks are peace heroes. By playing Peace and Harmony program during this episode, we help create one million pockets of peace by dissolving stress and tension. To be your own peace hero and get your own copy, go to peaceandharmonydownload.com. Welcome back to Global Nomad Hacks. Today, I'm excited to introduce to you Victoria Vivas Kwong, who is a divine sexuality and healing teacher with an incredibly wonderful global citizen background of living in many different countries and coming as a third culture kid herself. She understood what it meant to be part of a bigger world. Welcome, Victoria. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here with you and your audience. Thank you. Well, it's such a treat. And to give a little bit of a background, because, you know, divine sexuality and healing, what exactly is that? Can you give a little bit of a story or just a little bit of background on what does that actually mean? Yes, good question. So um, something that I realized in my life, coming from a culture that is very connected with relationships, with community, and not so connected perhaps with, <laughs> with working as much as we do here in the U.S., I felt a desire to come here to the United States and be able to create something bigger, larger. And I was here super excited, but at a point I realized that I was missing a little bit of my time to just have pleasure in my life and have enjoyment to just live this life fully. So after years of feeling depleted because of my business, I started searching and finding out how I can reconnect with that part of me. So that's one of the five aspects in divine sexuality would be to, to go from that depletion state into the, the blooming state, meaning that we need to pleasure and say to savor the pleasures of life and be fully present. And that's something that you know, I love living here. I feel that I can reinvent myself. And at the same time, I feel that I'm missing a little bit of that feeling of being in my body, being with my community. So that's one of the five aspects of divine sexuality. And it's such an important aspect that a lot of us, you know, in certain cultures, there's taboos around it. And there's certain conversations that you're not allowed to have, or when you have them, they're quite awkward. And really, what it comes <laughs> down to is, it's self-care. It's about the real connection. I mean, my background is in the behavioral science space and technology. And in my dissertation work, one of the devices that we used was a wearable vibrator. And it was for women who that were completely depleted of their oxytocin and were having hormone-related depression. Mm -hmm. And it's really, I mean, you're, there you're talking about female health. You're talking about, you know, femtech. You're talking about the importance of connection with your body, connection with your brain, and how all of the things actually work together. And so, it, unfortunately, I think in our society, sexuality is often very much downplayed. It is terrible sometimes, because even when I am trying to share about my message in, on Facebook or YouTube, I am censored. Still, in the 2020, I'm still censored because I use the word sexuality. So imagine how we treat this. And, and that's one of the biggest problems and the biggest traps that we fall into, that how are we going to, as women, connect with our bodies and feel that we can embrace our health? I mean, the clitoris is connected with our, <laughs> with our spine. So that's how we receive a lot of, of our health as well, by being in full blossoming of our sexuality. 
But if we are thinking that this is a taboo subject, that we have shame around it, we are feeling bad with our bodies, we should look in this way, in that way. So it creates all sorts of terrible things for us women. No, absolutely. So I'm, I'm so glad that people like you are really working with this and helping people heal that. And in some places, it's really about the trauma that helps them get to that place of overcoming it. If we can circle back a little bit, I want to hear a little bit about your story of how you even ended up in Los Angeles, of all places, because <laughs> you did not start there by any means, as we hear from your beautiful accent. You have a really interesting, even just your familial connections. Can you talk a little bit about your background and sort of some of those influences that came from that? Oh, my goodness. It has been such a journey. So I grew up as the only Black that was around until my 14. So in the last couple of weeks of my 13, I met the first Black friends. <laughs> so I grew up with my mom, which is white, part German, but from Spain. And then my dad is from Nigeria, but my mom felt it wasn't a good idea to stay together. So I didn't really get to know him just for six months. So in Spain at that time, there was a dictatorship and everything was ultra conservative. So everything was very different. And basically, I was like an extraterrestrial for people. <laughs> and I didn't even know that I was part German. I only felt like the most black person in the world because <laughs> I was the only black person around for years. Uh, but then over the years, I discovered, oh, wow, my great grandfather is German. And that's, now it makes sense to see my grandmother with blue eyes, you know, and things like that. And it doesn't look anything like me. <laughs> and then over the years, I also realized, oh, my last name, Vives Vila, my maiden last name, they are Ladino, which is the Jewish from Spain. All of this I didn't know. So for me, I was just Spanish and, and Black. <laughs> but over the years, I realized I'm a melting pot. <laughs> and because I love melting pots, I decided I have to marry an Asian. Mm. There you go. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> I, I have to, you know, what can be more different? So finally, that's what my last name, Kuang. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> I love it. And, and it's such a beautiful blend. And I think one of the things that's wonderful about that kind of experience is that you probably have extracted different pieces of each of those cultures, maybe a little bit less so from your Nigerian part, just because you didn't have as much of a relationship with your father. But as we talked about a little bit in the green room, you did actually seek out some of that to get a little more in contact with it. And, and that might have impacted some of your work with your shamanism. Can you talk a little bit about that journey? Absolutely. It has been a continuous journey since I was small. Every time I would see something, anybody Black, it was such rarity that I was needing that connection so, so that I could see that there is somebody like me. <laughs> so I grew up really wanting to learn, but of course, my family didn't know anything, didn't know even how to take care of my hair because it's so different from theirs. And as I grew up, I started finding different groups. Spain started being more open to people from other places. So more people came. I started learning how to dance hip hop. So I became successful dancing in television and touring and with a more of a hip hop style, which was very rare in Spain. And that was my beginning of traveling. So I left that relationship I was in to go touring all throughout Spain. <laughs> so that was my beginning. It, it was almost, uh, you know, to share a little bit more intimately with you. 
it was a little bit also of escape, mm. you know. I was not feeling good with my family, and I, I really felt that there was something else waiting for me. So I just decided to leave everything and just go on this tour and get to know the world, <laughs> in a sense. So I just started going on that tour, and that completely transformed my life, even though it was only Spain. But I met people that started talking me to me about London. So then my mm. next step, was I went with a boyfriend in a motorcycle. We went all the south to Spain and then all the way through Portugal up France. We took a ferry and went to London in our motorcycle. So that was incredible. What a great trip. It was amazing. It totally blew my mind. It became an obsession for me to just go out from Spain because even though I love Spain, it was so different from who I am in many senses that I couldn't really relate to the people there. There was a part of me that was missing. So going to a country like England, where you can see more of the diversity and other races and everybody living together, like it's normal, (laughs) because it is, (laughs) that was fascinating. And then the next step was I was in television and my friends, I was dancing at that time, and my friends were coming to the U.S., to New York. And I was like, oh, no, 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 I'm not interested in going to New York. No, no, no. But, you know, it's almost like going to school. Like, I need to learn this, you know. I really need to, to learn this experience. So I, I came. And, you know, that didn't resonate with me as much. But when I finally came to, to, the, to Los Angeles, I was absolutely in love from the moment that I saw West Hollywood. I just was like, okay, I need to live here. Like, this is my place. I have found it. <laughs> and then it became like, I need to live there. I didn't know how, but I had to live here. And here I am. It's so interesting when where we get a sense of home. And it's never really where we expect it to be sometimes. Or I shouldn't say it never is. But I've, I've found for myself, there's certain places that I feel so much at home that I would never have anticipated. And, and so it sounds like for you, LA was certainly that. What an incredible motorcycle journey. I'm totally jealous. <laughs> I'm, I'm like just buzzing in my head about all the different stops that you might have made and how that actually <laughs> took place. But so hip hop dancing was really your key to, to travel, to go see the world, if you will. Well, in a sense, it was. That was the beginning. Then I was so fortunate because I was one of the first black faces in the Spanish television. So I made it big in, in television. So I started dancing many different styles and hosting a little bit in some primetime shows. So all of that was what then propelled me to actually come to the other side of the planet and come here to the U.S. And actually, I toured through Mexico. I went to Peru as well. So I went to different places, Belgium. And it has been amazing. I just feel that my mind and my soul has, have expanded so much thanks to that. I felt that I was contained in a little recipient when I was in Spain. And even just the fact of moving here to the other side of the globe, I feel that the European culture has amazing things. It's very rooted, but at the same time, didn't allow me to flourish in new and different ways. And that's what I find here in the U.S. It's a new country in in a sense because people came from other places to create it. So it's like everything is possible here. I'm 
so excited to be here. I love it. <laughs> oh, I love that. I'm so glad. I'm, I'm curious because one of the things that that's always a challenge when you move around a lot and you're establishing in new countries, what were some of the things that you used in order to connect to people, to a community and find, it's one thing to find your physical home, but it's another thing to find your community home and sort of what we refer to here as peeps. You know, finding your peeps and finding those people that you can show up on their doorstep with just tears streaming down your face. And they're like, come on in. I gotcha. Let me give you a hug. How did you find that in your journey? And were there certain places that were more embracing than others? That was really tough. You know, to be really (laughs) transparent here, it was really, really tough. I didn't basically speak English when I came. I didn't have a car, which is very important here in Los Angeles. It was a very tough situation. And the good thing I found out is that there is a lot of people that speak Spanish. So that was very, very helpful. And I think that that was what helped me the most to be able to to understand other people. But six months in, I have not learned any English. <laughs> so I had to change my <laughs> my strategy. But it was, yeah, it was it was challenging. I would say I was at that time in martial arts, so I was participating in short films doing states combat and that was also part of creating a very strong relationship with a group and that I would say that was what saved me because I was very close to just come back to Spain because of the isolation I was feeling in my heart I was feeling very sad and missing my family my culture my friends but this connection with this group I remember meeting with them every Thursday and we would go to the mountains and we would train martial arts, stunts, acrobatics, and that would change my life. It, it was amazing. That was, I would say, thanks to that I stayed. <laughs> yeah, well, thank goodness you did. And uh, uh, I mean, it sounds like an amazing group. So did you end up getting involved in TV and film? It sounds like Absolutely. when you came to LA and are you continuing to do that as well? Well, uh, right now I did a little bit less, but yes, absolutely. I've been in different films and television and with singers. I remember my first music video I did, which was my first Spain job here. It was with 50 Cents. I don't know if you're familiar with the rapper. (laughs) So that was like, oh, wow, now I'm in this music video. Awesome. And then after that, I just started doing other things. I work in Universal Studios. Then they sent me to do martial arts for ESPN in India. So I did a lot of different things here. It has been an amazing journey. And I, I met a lot of amazing people here. So, so yeah, I got quite a bit into entertainment. And then I kind of changed a little bit gears because I felt I wanted to do something that I feel more directly that I'm supporting others. Thanks to my life experience, I've been able to overcome th- different challenges. And I felt I want to help other people overcoming theirs. So I changed a little bit gear. So I still, I create. I'm very creative, so I still do some art and some things, but not as much as before. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I I would imagine with the work that you're doing with Divine Sexuality, there's a lot of creative expression even in that work. Can you talk a little bit more about how that work has evolved for you and what kinds of work you actually do in that space? Yeah, so for me, in 2000, I started in energy healing, and and I loved it. I also learned other things that I could apply to my life, like homeopathy and naturopathy and working with plants. So all of this was great. 
uh, and yet there was something underlying all issues because being a woman has certain aspects that <laughs> unless we resolve them, we're going to always not completely feel healed. So what I mean is, yes, we might have had a certain trauma and we can heal that specific trauma. But if we are not feeling good in our own bodies with, with our own sexuality, we might not be shining at our best. So I noticed that after years of healing, still I had problems with my husband. So I didn't find the in intimacy that I was looking for. And I just searched and searched and I realized it was that. It was my sexuality being a woman, having worked. Well, the story, just to go back in time, mm -hmm. <laughs> I grew up in an ultra-conservative regime. So sex was strictly for procreation. So growing up with, with that mentality, you can imagine the shame I could feel and the guilt that I could feel for having just sexual desire. So I'm a very sexual person, but at the same time, I had this voice in my head always telling me I should not do that. Mm -hmm. So that was a problem for me. Then sometimes we have emotional trauma. So working can be very helpful to avoid that <laughs> and to become numb. So became a workaholic, building my business. So yes, very successful. But then my husband was there alone in the bed while I was in my all-nighter just working. And I just felt, you know, life is not worth living like this. I can be super successful, but if I don't have the relationships that I need in my life, what is everything for? Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I'm doing all of this to enjoy life, but I don't have somebody to enjoy it with because I'm not present. Yeah. <laughs> so because of that, I just started focusing on this. And this was kind of, you know, a little challenging because, I mean, I could say that I'm partly a prude. <laughs> you know, like part of me might be very sexual, but the way I grew up in, it was very conservative. So for me to speak with my students and clients about these things, in the beginning, it was a challenge because my students were coming to me initially, maybe to learn shamanism, to learn Reiki. And then suddenly I offered divine sexuality and they were all like, oh, what is this? What is this? And they come to class, but of course, we're going to talk about these things. So it was a little of a transition. It was a little challenging to start changing this because there are things in sexuality that we don't even tell our partners, we don't tell our psychotherapists. They are so intimate that we don't feel we have a space that is safe enough to speak about them. Mm -hmm. So that's what we do in these classes. We are able to talk about those things and go through several steps to heal ourselves and connecting and achieving what I call the ecstatic experience. <laughs> It sounds wonderful. And it sounds so essential. I think that, you know, so many people really suffer from not having that connection for themselves. And as you're saying, they sort of suffer in silence. It's not something that they share, maybe even with their nearest girlfriends. It's unnecessary. It's something that, you know, it's about your physical and your psychological health. And that can really spill over into all different areas of your relationships. So good for you for for taking it on. And, and, so uh, you talked a little bit about sort of that transition and trying to introduce your clients from shamanism and, you know, spirituality to divine sexuality. Did you find that in the end, it was partially just the message that helped them really understand it? Or did they really, you know, it was the experience that converted them, if you will, to recognizing how important it was? Well, so... Um... In the beginning, I wasn't even sure. I knew that it had transformed my, my life, my relationship with myself and with my partner completely. 
So I didn't know how they're going to react. I just offered it. You know, it's there. You don't have to sign up, but if you want to come to the class and you can you can come and join the class. So I had a lot of women. So the class will start with a lot of women coming excited, but some of them thought that maybe we're going to just sing songs, you know, and <laughs> and do goddessy things. And I'm like, no, no, we're going to go deep into healing. <laughs> so not everybody was ready to deal with certain things in the beginning. So that was a little more challenging. So then I realized I have to frame this so that they understand this is not just, uh, you know, a light, happy, happy circle. It's, it can be very joyful and the relationship and the bond that we find in this circle is unlike anything I know. At the same time, we're going to have to go deep if we want to really transform our lives. Mm -hmm. So then I had women coming into the circle feeling like they are not feeling beautiful anymore. Maybe they cannot feel that they want to make love anymore. And through the process of staying in the course and going through it, at the end, feeling so beautiful, so precious, and understanding their value, no matter what their age is. So to me, that's what makes me really want to do this work. Yeah, The results beautiful. that I have witnessed, because I cry in my classes. I cry when I see them. The, and, and sometimes I'm just facilitating, and I just stay back, and I'm crying of joy of saying oh my goodness this is so necessary like I wish my grandmother my mom and the next generation can all have this freedom and understand that their bodies are natural like we see cats we see bears we see all in nature understand that sexuality is life-giving it's a, a treasure that we have but why in the world we humans have these problems with it mm -hmm. oh absolutely I'm curious given that the situation where we're in right now, and of course, this will be airing later. We have no idea, you know, beauty of doing things that will be lasting into the future. <laughs> we have no idea whether we'll be back into quarantine or whether we'll be lifted. Most likely, we will be having different waves of this over the next, who knows, maybe 18 months, two years. But the point is that a lot of things have had to go virtual, and we haven't been able to have that contact with our clients and with our peers to be able to support them in a different way. What are some of the things that you're doing with your clients to be able to maintain that support and that critical transformation that they were in the process of working on to be able to do that remotely? Are there are you still able to do that? And if so, how? Yes, that's such a good question because, oh my goodness, of course, this work in person is so much more powerful. And I have one of my students that is the second cycle that she's doing with me. She knows how deep the process go. But the new ones, they don't know it. And she's saying to me, oh, my goodness, they have no idea how this normally is and what they are missing right now because we are meeting, we, we are still working, and they're going through amazing transformation. So I have these women going through processes. So what I do is I facilitate a circle twice a month online, and I give them also access to the online content so they are able to work from home in certain processes that helps us reconnect with our bodies at a different level and healing ourselves sexually. So they're doing the work. The thing is that they don't realize how much more there is. Uh, so yeah, it can be very, very powerful. They're noticing greater connection with their bodies, with their sexuality. Their creativity has completely bloomed. So they receive all those benefits, but I can't wait 
for them to come in person. <laughs> but at the same time, I would think that this is a great opportunity for, I mean, as we're, a lot of our listeners are out in, they're working as expats or they're living abroad in various different countries. And so maybe this is an opportunity for particularly those that wouldn't have access to the type of material that you're providing, the type of support that you're providing, and particularly those that may be really experiencing that sense of isolation and mm. that sense of who am I and how do I connect? And it's not really, unfortunately, this is a really hard time because a lot of us, what we were just talking about in the green room, I'm very fortunate because I have my family here with me, my husband and my two kids. So I get lots of hugs and you know, the oxytocin mm -hmm. is, is pumping pretty regularly in our house. But for those who, particularly those who may be newly relocated to another place or even repatriated but not connected to their community yet and can't go out to go connect with people and even date new people, which is a whole different thing, no. this is an opportunity for them to get in touch with who they are as individuals and their own sexuality. And I would imagine that your work is really even more important now than it may have been before. Very true. Yeah. In fact, I have people taking the course only online. So I have that platform already. And what I added now that we are in this situation is I did a full session on self-love, how we can just work on our self-love and have daily routine in which we are nurturing ourselves. Because as you say, it can be so challenging if we don't have that connection. So yeah, you're absolutely right. And I'm starting a new course and that is going to be all online, mm -hmm. actually. So yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. It's, you know, always is the hidden blessing, right? <laughs> Behind any crisis, there is a hidden blessing and it's just a different facet of how can we do this work. Absolutely. And I think that I look forward to having our listeners have the opportunity to connect to you and, and your work, because I do think that it is such a critical piece that we often downplay and don't take care of. And particularly if you're feeling disconnected, this is a really important time to not ignore that and to really, you know, it's an opportunity for us to transform in so many different ways and to reset and to realign with what's really important for us as we go forward in the future. You actually wrote a book recently, and uh, I would love to hear a little bit more about the book, which gives a little bit, I guess you said it goes a little bit into your background, too. It's got your, it's an autobiographical. Can you talk a little bit about the book? Of course. Thank you for asking. Yes. So um, the book is called In a Matter of Seconds, and it is a story to empower yourself into love, success, and manifestation. So what I did is to just share my life. And all the challenges that I had growing up as the only black in Spain, being a woman in a chauvinistic country, and how from there I moved from poverty into being in mainstream television, and all the challenges I found also from there into coming here to the U.S. So what I do is, it's almost like a novel. <laughs> it's exciting. People tell me, I cannot put it down <laughs> because it's like that very engaging. But then I, I give the keys to freedom. So it's how did I change this around so that instead to be a challenge can be an opportunity. And my desire is for the book to be entertaining and give those to the audience. So super excited. It's our number one bestseller. So it can be found in Amazon if anybody wants to give it a well, read. <laughs> we'll make sure that it's in the, the show notes because I think it's going to 
It's definitely a good page turner and something that people are going to want to pick up and read and learn your story, but also learn some of the tips and tricks that you've learned along the way to get to that freedom and space. I want to make sure that folks can find you besides your book. What's the best way for people to find you if they want to work with you or they want to learn more about your your work? Yes, my website, victoriavives.com forward slash divine. So this is all about divine sexuality. And the reason why I give that specific URL is because I give an ebook that I wrote after my main book. So this one is all about sexuality and how we can move from the five traps that keep us in the depletion state so that we can move into the ecstatic woman experience. Well, amen to that, sister. We all need to be a little more of the ecstatic woman these days. I think we've been feeling a little cooped up, (laughs) ready to go. Well, I love your energy and I love the work that you're doing. Thank you so much for sharing it today, Victoria. Thank you so much. This was amazing. I love our conversation and to share with your audience. Well, absolutely. It's our pleasure. And thank you, digital nomads and global nomads and the rest of you all for joining us today. It's such a joy having you with us. And thank you for sticking with. If you enjoyed today's show, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any of the great upcoming episodes and check out some of the past ones. We're now on Podopolo. And if you have an opportunity, join us there for lots of really fun actions and connection with other fellow listeners. And if you really enjoy us, we always appreciate a rating and review. And please let us know if you do so we can send you a little love back. All right, we'll catch you next time. It's been such a pleasure. We'll see you on the waves. Bye-bye for now.